following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Welcome to the Forbes Under 30 Podcast. I'm Steve Goldblum, your host. On this show, we speak with young entrepreneurs and innovators. Today, I'm speaking with Gabby Bernstein via Skype. She is the New York Times bestselling author of The Universe Has Your Back. She's also an international speaker and spiritual guide. Gabby, I am, I'm very happy to have you on the show. I'm so psyched to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This you know, so cool. It is, and and I'm and I'm curious. Were you, do do people do you ever find that if your mood is um, one way or another, you can interpret the same news differently? Like you can get the same piece of information and interpret it differently depending on the type of mood um, or energy that you bring to that situation. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, this is something I speak about a lot. I we can. I, my my late mentor Wayne Dyer says. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right. So I think that, yes, whatever we choose to perceive will be our reality. Period. End of story. Full stop. <laughs> and how big a role does fear play in everybody's day-to-day life? Because I feel like sometimes I wake up in a panic. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I, it, it's very helpful to bring in tools or meditation or things that you talk about in your books, which we're going to get to. How much is fear uh, the source of, of, you know, our struggle day to day? Fear is really the main thing that blocks us from stepping out in the world the way that we want to. It blocks us from owning the confidence that we want to have in life. It blocks us from making decisions. It blocks us from feeling good, ultimately. So a lot of the work that I've done over the last decade and all, all the books I write are really about reorganizing your relationship to fear. And not that we get rid of our fear, because that's impossible, but that we can just have a different experience of it and, more importantly, not believe in it anymore. Weaken its strength, because that fear is really the ultimate blocker, the ultimate reason why we play small, we stay stuck, and we feel separate, and we feel alone. And, and, and the work that, that we have to do on any type of personal growth path is really rearrange and reorganize that relationship to fear. If someone told you, your younger self, that you were going to have this life and career as a motivational speaker and as a source of inspiration for a lot of people, what would the, the child version of you uh, have said? I wouldn't have been surprised, Steve. I really wouldn't have. When I was a kid... When I was in high school, yeah. I was leading the youth group at my temple. I was I was kind of like this young Sherpa for these like ten year old <laughs> kids, you know, fourteen year old kids on weekends. And I I really I really at the time found so much so much purpose in leading spiritual conversations at a very very young age. And at the time, it happened to take place in my Jewish youth group. But today, it's obviously teaching not from a religious standpoint, but from a spiritual perspective. But what what drew me to that as a teenager was creating community, teaching spiritual inspirational messages, and holding space for people to have that type of transformation. So if you had told me at fourteen when I was in the leading the temple youth group that this was what I was going to do for my career, I'd be like, that sounds right. That sounds like a good right. idea. 
<laughs> well, that makes sense. To, to give advice with people who are suffering or experiencing anxiety, do you need to be suffering and experiencing anxiety yourself? You know, I'd hate to say yes, because that's not, I don't think that we have to undergo suffering to be a teacher, but I think that the being alive in, in the world, particularly at this time, there's no word, there's no way that you can function and show up every day without having some sense of suffering because even just turning on the news is suffering in moments of our lives. Right. So, so we all are having day-to-day experiences. And, and I think that what has helped me as a teacher is to go through difficult times is to have to hit rock bottom at 25 and choose to get sober and being sober now for 12 years and, and teaching about my recovery and, uh, having to deal with with other types of addictions and having to deal with a lot of overcoming a lot of my own personal fears. I've been very, very transparent about my own personal experiences. And I know that that helps my readers and my audience members because it helps them identify themselves in me and it helps them know that that this that the that the work is 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 real and and really truly see the authenticity in in the messages because I testify to everything that I teach. Uh, tell me, when you were younger, now did you study theater and you went to Syracuse? Are those two things true? I did, yeah. You studied th- theater at Syracuse? I did. I was. Uh, I had a BFA in theater, yeah. Okay. And so when you left um, college, at what point did you d- turn and start? Um, at what point did your career take shape the way it's set in gear now? My first career out of college was as a publicist, I started a PR firm when I was 21 years old and I represented, yes, I represented nightclubs in New York City and I was really good at pitching the press and throwing parties and selling this, you know, selling what I believed in at the time I believed in partying Sure. (laughs) and my, my business did pretty well and I I learned a lot about running a business at a, at a young age and I learned a lot about publicity. But that also, that industry really took me down. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the time I was 25, I had a really nasty drug addiction. And I had no other choice but to get sober. I mean, of course, I had a choice, but the choice I made was to get clean yeah. and get spiritual, really return to those spiritual roots that I had as a child as a, that I had in high school. And so I returned to my meditation practice and I returned to becoming a student of metaphysics. And I really started to dive deeply in the ways that I could transform my thinking so that I could transform my life. And very quickly, when I was 25, I started giving talks very early in my sober recovery. I started giving talks on, mm-hmm. on what I was learning and what I was experiencing because I, you know, I love speaking publicly and I love sharing my, my, my message. So I, I had a message at the time, which was, here's what I'm going through and let me tell you. And it and it, it really became early on this new zeitgeist of young women that were at one time at the time it was really mainly women in my early my early career but it was women that at one point you know were looking for their happiness in shoes and magazines and nightclubs and right. really now turning inward and following my guidance and it was a pretty groovy time to be be engaging in this conversation. Yeah, you pay a price for that type of lifestyle at at, uh, at a certain point. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's not sustainable now. Did you find that speaking publicly and talking to other people served as its own kind of high in a, in a different way? I think in the beginning I would get high off of it. I think that in the early in my career I would uh, probably was a little bit more about you know me and my enjoyment of being being the speaker. As I've grown professionally mm-hmm. and personally. It's 
no longer about me. It's it's in the service of someone else and in the service of being being helpful to the audience and, and really being the conduit for an important message that I know I'm here to share. So the the less it's been about me, the more success I've had. And I think that's a real that's a real important message. You know, when you when it's when you realize it's not about you, then I got out of the way and let my ego step aside. It, it really just just things just begin to unfold naturally and it's been it's been pretty amazing. Well, in your book, uh, The Universe Has Your Back, your, your your guidance says not to rely on your own strength, but instead rely on the universe. And so, so practically speaking, for this particular show, if you're an entrepreneur, how does that apply to the entrepreneur? How can the entrepreneur rely on the universe? So, you know, it's great to see this conversation of spiritual principles becoming part of the entrepreneurial lexicon these days, mm-hmm. which is really, really, I mean, so many entrepreneurs are self-proclaimed meditators. And, and so I'm so psyched to see that because when you, when you, you know, the difference between pushing and controlling and trying to force something to happen and how that energy is an energy of resistance, but in the absence of that resistance, a powerful force can take over. In the absence of that resistance, people want to hire you. People want to follow your Instagram. Mm-hmm. People want to love your your posts. Because when we're not in that space of resistance, we're leading from a space of inspiration. And so when I talk about being aligned with the universe, being aligned with the universe means we're inspired. It means that we're relaxed. It means that stress is it has subsided. It means that we are thinking intuitively and creatively and not forcing. And that energy of forcing is an entrepreneur's demise, truly. That forceful energy, that pushing, that controlling is not attractive. And energetically, people pick up on it. The universe picks up on it. So it's really about using practices like meditation or any of the practices in my books to realign with that source of inspiration so that you can actually access a greater source of power. It's interesting. I mean, you have to, I think one of the underlying principles that you say, correct me if I'm wrong, but is you have to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of Mm -hmm. yourself and you're sort of like, I don't understand why I'm not married yet, or I don't understand why I'm going to get this job or people don't want to hire me for this. It's, it's some energy that you're putting out there. Yes. Yes. In my book, the universe has your back. I say, that your vibes speak louder than your words. So if you're not taking care of your inner condition and your external condition, your body, your your physical well-being, and right. your inner life, your, your you know the, the thoughts that you think and the, the actions that you take and the words that you speak, if you're not taking care of these parts of yourself, then you, yeah, you're putting out something that's not that's a little toxic, and that won't be supported. So when we begin to particularly change our inner dialogue and start to reach for more positive aspects in our life and start to choose to live with a different perspective, every single corner of our life will be enhanced and and will be much more free-flowing and supported ultimately. Are there critics of the book or of your work where you come in and people come at you and say, you know, this doesn't apply to me? Is there a common criticism that you've faced? No, not at all. No. Uh, I don't really know why. I mean, I actually know I could tell you why. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm not looking for it. So it might be out there, but I've, I'm not looking for it. Yeah. So I believe that we attract what we put out and mm-hmm. what we're thinking about. I am not thinking about it. <laughs> I just, I'm trusting that those who need it will find it. Yeah. And if someone that finds it is triggered by it, 
they probably needed it too. What do you say to the people, if there are any, who have experienced punishing setbacks in their life and they say, you know, I don't feel that the universe has my back? What I would say to somebody in that situation is I would ask them if they were willing to see things differently. I would ask them if they had the slightest willingness to to feel better and to try something different. Right. And if they said yes, then I would would know that they were were able to take these steps. And if they were unwilling, then then these then these principles and these books are just not for them at this time. Definitely not. And taking a quick break to say that this show is brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. However you move your business forward, with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. Your books and your talks mean a lot uh, to people. And I'm curious, are there days where you wake up and you're like, you know, I just really don't want to do that anymore? Or or, (laughs) let me put it differently. I'm exhausted and I can't be your source of inspiration for the day. I need a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Not really often, but of course I have those days where I may wake up having a personal dilemma. But often the days that are the most difficult for me offer me the greatest teachings. Mm -hmm. So I may not be able to teach in that moment, but when I come out of whatever that discomfort was, I come out with a new lesson I'm ready to teach. So I think I'm always in the pursuit of service, regardless of what's going on, Mm -hmm. because it feels so good for me to be able to, to say, all right, I had this really rough time and I couldn't get out of bed and I was suffering for three months. I mean, this happened to me in 2016. I was in a deep, deep depression for four months because I was dealing with some really old personal things that that, that resurfaced for me. Mm-hmm. And I was having to work and kind of show up at the same time. And by the time I had to get on a stage after a few months of being quite depressed, I got on that stage and I told the story. I told the story of what was going on. And that probably was one of the most transformational talks I've ever given because I was just telling the truth. Well, I want to make sure, I think I may have seen that talk. Was this when you were talking about the epiphany you had for for a pregnancy? That's a different talk. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Okay. But these two stories do go hand in hand. Tell me. um, Well, I think, you know, the the first story, the first period of time that I kind of came out of this this dark period was um, when I, in 2016, really... Uh, really uncovered some fear-based memories from my past that had been that I had dissociated from from childhood, and so if anyone listening has ever remembered or recalled a traumatic event, it is absolutely terrifying because you go right back into that story. So I had to really do a tremendous amount of healing. But but the way that that does connect to the story of wanting to conceive yeah. and taking the time was that the time but before 2016 where I was trying to conceive, I was cracking into these memories. So there was no way I was in such a stressed, stressed, fear-based place that there was no way that my body was going to be able to, to do the things it needed to do to, to make a child. And also it kind of has completely lined up to where I am today, where I'm truly accepting that all that I had to go through and all that discomfort was a personal growth, spiritual assignment that I had to overcome before I could be a mother. And so that's the real lesson that I've been able to teach, which is that sometimes things don't happen on our time because there's more growth that we need to undergo before we can receive the miracle of what it is that we desire. And what was the memory that resurfaced in in 2016? 
So it was memories of, of childhood trauma, traumatic events in my childhood that, uh, that I had literally just completely dissociated from. And it wasn't necessarily an actual vision of a memory. It was a knowing that something did not, something inappropriate happened. Okay. Okay. And how do you help people in their life um, look at themselves and treat themselves with uh, either forgive themselves or treat themselves with kindness? What tools do you offer people that way? So one big one is just speaking to yourself with compassion. It's mm-hmm. such a simple tool, but we often are the, the inner dialogue that we have towards ourselves is such a dialogue of, of negativity and destruction and judgment. Whereas when we witness ourselves talking negatively towards ourselves, we can pivot our thinking and pivot our thoughts and pivot our, our dialogue and start to lean towards things that we appreciate about ourselves or lean towards things that we can be compassionate towards ourselves about. So even simply saying something to yourself, like I'm proud of myself for witnessing that I was judging myself and I'm going to choose to see this differently. And maybe I'll open that book today that maybe will make me feel better. So just using you reaching for thoughts that feel better and, and then most importantly, reaching for thoughts of self-compassion. So often I'll talk to myself and say, Gabby, you may have you may have said something before that was inappropriate, and you know what? You can apologize for it, and you can you can appreciate that you know that it's wrong, and you can be proud of yourself for changing your thinking. And you know, there's just so many ways to be compassionate and kind towards right. myself. And so you have to really proactively have that kind of dialogue. What is the saying? Forgive me if this is incorrect, but grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot yes. change, the courage to change the things the I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Is that, is that's that it. You got it. I got it. Okay, great. Is that something that you, you practice in your work? The serenity prayer is in my pocket at all times. <laughs> yes, I will always turn to the serenity prayer, particularly when I feel I'm trying to control something. And that's it. it it's a, you talk about surrendering. We're, we have to surrender from that notion of control. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's steps in the book that are about spiritual surrender. And so much of the spiritual surrender that I speak about is about really, like you said earlier, recognizing that, that when we're in the presence of fear, we're relying on our own strength Mm -hmm. and that, that fear is blocking us. And so when we start to offer up the desire to change, we begin the journey of surrendering. And surrendering also requires that we give up outcomes because often we're really future tripping and future oriented. And so giving up an outcome we can do by focusing on what's thriving in the moment now. So when we start focusing on what's thriving, we no longer feel like anything is missing. And that's when we can release the outcome. And really allowing ourselves to just feel good and be in joy and have fun along the way. So if we're we're obsessed about an outcome or trying to make something happen, the way to surrender is just to surrender to the joy along the way. And the more joy you dwell in and the more joy you accept into mm-hmm. your life, the more likely you are to attract what you want more quickly. It's just, it's just, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the funniest, the funniest part of this is that the sooner you surrender, the more likely you are to receive. Right. And do you ever encourage people, this has helped me, but I don't know if it's something that you've practiced. If, if ever I think about my mortality, it, it often puts me at ease. If I'm worried about something and I consider my mortality, it'll put me at ease because I realize, well, you know, the game's not going to go on forever. Well, that's an interesting concept. Um, I don't, I don't think in that way, but I think that's very profound that you can and that you do. That's a pretty big deal. 
that you are sort of, it brings you back to the moment really. Right. And right. I think that when you think about your mortality, you actually start to decide, I don't really want to sweat the small stuff because this is real small stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. It puts it in perspective, I guess. I yeah. guess I just revealed something more personal about myself. Good. Good. <laughs> our, our producer's looking at me kind of like, oh, interesting. She's <laughs> making a note to talk to me about that later. Um, <laughs> should we, is it important to shed people from our lives? Like if the spiritual path is not for everybody and you're trying to make a change in your life, what do you say to people? Like, do you ever encourage people to shed people from their lives? I think it happens naturally. I think as you grow spiritually and if the people around you aren't growing alongside you, then you may outgrow each other. And it happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think it happens often quite gracefully and without you even realizing it. There may be times when relationships fall apart and that doesn't mean that there can't still be love within those relationships. It just means that they may not want, they may not be able to exist in the form that they once were in. Yeah. So I think that's a really important message is that you can separate from a partner or best friend or, or a colleague or a, a company that you worked for, but still have a lot of love in your heart for the relationship and what it has meant to you. Right. What, what about resentment? The people who deal with envy in their lives and, and, and have trouble experiencing happiness for other people. Well, one of the greatest antidotes to envy is to wish for people to have the, the, the people that you're most envious of to wish for them to have what you want for yourself. So when we, when we really commit to, to wanting for others, wanting more for others than we want for ourselves, which was another thing that my, my teacher Wayne Dyer taught was want more for others than you want for yourself. Mm -hmm is a really powerful exercise in getting yourself out of the energy of envy. When we're in a place of envy, we're in a place of lack, which energetically just creates more lack in our life. Mm -hmm. So when we're in a place, a place of, of wanting more for others, we're in a place of, of abundance and that desire to see happiness in others and to really want more for them actually ironically brings more to you. <laughs> and when you're happy, you want others to be happy. Do you find? Yes, absolutely. But when you're not happy, it's it's wonderful to focus on on wanting more for others as well because that, that makes you happier. The more kind and generous and compassionate we are, the happier we are. There's plenty of scientific studies that show that your cortisol levels are reduced and released and you, you just feel less stressed when you're kind and compassionate. And so uh, that, there's an oxytocin tocin rush when you, when you practice random acts of kindness. So do more kind deeds and feel better. What is your – do you have uh, – do you incorporate random acts of kindness into your life? I always do, every single day, yes. Could you review the five steps? I believe in one of your presentations you had five steps that help us um, realign. Yes. So the five steps for spiritual surrender – Yes, that's right. Let me, um, you're, are you referring to the Oprah Super Soul it is. Sessions That was talk? the one. Okay, that great. was the one. Um, well, let me pull them up for you so I don't put them out of order. <laughs> so uh, the first step is to take your hands off the wheel through prayer. Okay. And this is where we talked about earlier and we've mentioned this a few times now, the presence of fear is a sign you're relying on your own strength. Yes. And so I often say that the universe won't step in until you step aside. 
So this is where a prayer for surrender would be right. very helpful or uh, really getting into the space of recognizing that the secret to praying is to forget what you think you need. So instead of asking for something specific, like I, I need this to be happy, right. really praying for what's of the highest good for all, really asking asking the, the universe or your inner wisdom or your intuition or whatever you believe mm-hmm. in, God, whatever you believe in, pray for the highest good for all don't like the word prayer, just call it setting an intention, set the intention for the highest good for all and stop setting intentions to control outcomes. And breaking for a minute to say business can be done from anywhere in the palm of your hand and at the source. However you move your business forward with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card backed by the service and security of American Express. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents what had happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn it, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or podcastone.com. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. The greatest time of the year is back. College basketball, that's right. March Madness, March Mania, and March Money. Join in on everyone's favorite game, the Bracket Challenge Contest at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account, receive your 50% welcome bonus, and make your picks. All the early lines for all the games are now available, so don't miss out on any of the action for the next three weeks at betonline.ag, the exclusive partner at Podcast One Sportsnet. You said it takes the and pressure the off. Step, it takes the pressure off. It really, really takes the pressure off. It's like That's why it's called taking your hands off the wheel through prayer. You know, we're trying to run that, like drive that steering wheel that is our life, and, and prayer can really help us take right. our hands off the wheel. And then the second step is appreciating what's really thriving in our lives. So we've already begun to talk about this. The way that we can stop that future tripping is to start to celebrate what's already working. Uh, There's uh, taking time every day to devote our attention to what's already thriving in our life and really accepting that this present moment is what we've got. And that's actually, I mean, beautifully, uh, you don't realize you're sort of this divine metaphysician that you're like when you're thinking about your mm-hmm. mortality, but you're, you're coming into the moment and you're realizing this is what I've got right now and I'm going to work with what I've got. People so, do that all the time. They, they never look at what they have. Yes. They're always undervaluing what they have often. Yeah. And then the third step uh, is that obstacles are detours in the right direction. Right. That's Ob- one you don't think of. That, no, but I like the way that I like the phraseology of that one. Obstacles yeah. are detours in the right direction. I like this one too. As someone that often, gets lost a lot, I'm telling you, you you're saving me. <laughs> yeah, I think that we have to really see that the discomfort in our lives and the loss and the and the moments that that feel in some cases just devastating. Yep, are always offering us opportunities for personal growth, spiritual development ways to detour in a new direction. And so for, for me, what seemed to be an obstacle, like I wasn't getting pregnant right away, right. was actually the most profound detour in the right direction because at first it helped me uncover things I needed to heal. And, 
and sort of crack open to a, a much deeper level of who I need to be as a person. It helped me also really accept that, that the timing of what I thought was right for bringing a person into the world was just completely wrong. So there's, there's, you know, this, this moment where you can look back and say, wow, thank God that, that my plan was wrong. Right. And, and that, that's a real, not that my plan was wrong, but that there was a better plan for me. How about that? Was there something, were you able to go through that journey with your partner? Oh, yes. I mean, I have a incredible husband who has held me through all the difficult uh, times that I dealt with in 2016. And, and then in 2017, just really just stepping in fully and completely to the woman I'm ready, I am right. here to be. So, uh, since the last, you know, 2015, 2016 were for me, I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing because I know that they were the detour in the right direction. Right. And then the fourth one is that to ask the universe for a sign. And so, uh, in my book, I talk a lot about asking for a sign. A sign can be, uh, the first thing that really comes to your mind. Like I'm going to ask you right now, if you were to ask for a sign, what would it be? Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Sorry, I think I need help on that. Ask for a sign. Say it again. A sign could be like a sign could be like a bird or a dragon or a rainbow or something that's like not commonly seen. But when I ask you to pick a sign, I'd love a note. You know what I mean? A note, just a note that said, "Dear Steve, these are the six things you need to do today," and I'd be I'd be great. Okay, a little more specific. So, like a letter, like you want to receive, because the sign ultimately maybe a voicemail. I don't know. Okay, but the sign ultimately is like an image or something that you can know when you see it, that means that you're on the right track. So for instance, my sign's an owl, okay? So when I've been, you know, at a time when I was manifesting a new home and trying to buy my first home, I asked the universe, show me an owl, show me if this is right for me. And I started getting a lot of owls. And then there was a period of time when I was in a lot of doubt about whether or not I was making the right choice. It was a very my first our was our first home purchase. It was right. very scary, as you can imagine. And I was in London giving a talk and I said, Okay, universe, I need more owls. <laughs> okay. And so later that night, <clears throat> I went to give a talk at this beautiful church called St. James Cathedral. And I'm in the church and there's this lovely sound engineer who always, every time I'd speak there every year. He would give me this little painting of a postcard of a painting that he'd done, and it'd be a painting of a bear. Yeah. And so he came up to me and he said, Gabby, you know, I've got this, this postcard for you. It's a painting I did, but I knew your husband was going to be with you, so I brought you two this year. And he gave this one's for your husband, and he handed me the bear. And then he said, and I don't know why, but I felt that this was for you. And he handed me a painting of an owl. Oh, my God. So – this is the way, these are the ways that the universe will speak to you. So maybe we'd be more specific about your sign. Your sign should, you know, like, it could be like, like, uh, an angel wing or, you know, of, a of certain, a rose or a certain specific image of something. Think about it or don't think about it too much. <laughs> I know. I know. Now I feel, I feel terrible with the letter or the voice. No, I, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Get back to me, but stop thinking so hard. Yeah, I know. That's my problem. Okay. All right. Maybe a cloud. A cloud. Okay. That'd be nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's circle back at the end. And the fifth, the fifth step. The fifth step is when you think you've surrendered, surrender more. Surrender more. When you think you've surrendered, surrender more. So in this step, I talk about how faith is a muscle. And the more we have constant contact with our inner guidance system or that voice of our intuition, the more faithful we become. And so 
when we start on these spiritual paths and we start feeling good and when we fall off the wagon we got to surrender more you got to go back to the book or go Mm -hmm. back to the prayer or go back to the meditation just get back in and there's an amazing line from a metaphysical text that i teach a course in miracles and the line is those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety and, and that prayer really gets me through when I feel like I don't want to surrender anymore. Right. But that surrender helps me realign with a sense of certainty. And, and there's a, a beautiful practice of just waking up every day and just saying, what would you have me do? Or what miracles would you have me perform today? Yep. And, and just really offering it up and surrendering more. So that fifth step is when you think you surrendered, surrender more. <laughs> well, what is what? thank you for that. And what is the first thing you do every day? morning well, when I wake up in the morning I just like everyone my, my I want to pick up the phone and go crazy so I instead of doing that <laughs> I spend five minutes thinking of positive aspects for my day so I'll think about what it is that I want to do that day what I want to create that day I'll be great I'll think about how grateful I am for my the people that work with me mm-hmm. and my husband and I'll even be specific like I love that my sheets are soft and that I can look out the window when I wake up in the morning and just really getting myself into an energy of appreciation because that simple, 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 simple practice, it will set you up to win at the <laughs> beginning of the day. It yes. is so depressing sometimes because I wake up, I told you, in a panic. Yeah. I mean, I wake up in an absolute panic and I look at my phone and I'm terrified because I feel like I, you know, I live in California. I've missed half the day elsewhere. Like the wake up a little bit behind everyone and feeling like you you're feel, missing out. Yeah, you're, you're trailing. I'm starting the day trailing, you know? Okay, so let's do this. So before you go to bed, mm-hmm. start to reach for those positive aspects. Like, okay, I'm going to be – because when you're sleeping, you're in the in a space of no resistance. You're in just a really chilled out, relaxed space. Ideally, ideally. It, with a bad night's sleep, you're still in a space of non-resistance. And so to, to set yourself up to win and to sleep better – do that little just reaching for what feels good, what you're appreciative for. Just go go for it for five minutes before you go to bed. And even just be grateful for this this, this opportunity to rest. Right. And you'll begin the process of feeling good and going to sleep feeling good. So by going to sleep feeling better, you're going to wake up feeling better. This is what I need to do. So a routine before bed. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And you could write it out or you could think it out yeah. or you could make a little list in your phone. or But really just simply thinking. I mean, you don't need devices for this. You can just think. No, we need to get yeah. the devices as far away as possible. Away. We need to get far, it into the next room. Away. Yeah. Get it in the other room. Exactly. I got to get an old-fashioned alarm clock, I think. Get an old-fashioned alarm clock. Do you have one? I should have an old-fashioned alarm clock. I use my phone, but I'm pretty pretty consistent about not checking my phone right before bed and right when I wake up. Okay. You know, I took off the notifications, so I don't get yeah. assaulted by updates. You can't hear that stuff in the middle of the night. God, no. No, 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 way. no. I look at it when it's convenient for me. Good. But I've actually missed a lot of appointments that way, but I'm working on it, you know. <laughs> it's a really intense time that we're living in. Things have sped up so quickly, and so we have to really have a lot more tools to tune in and to yes. slow down. Right. And so this one is simple, you know, just really reach for, for positive thoughts before you sleep. When you wake up, the moment you wake, just five minutes, why don't you spend mm-hmm. the first five minutes, even if you spend the first one minute reaching for positive aspects of your life. Okay. Right. If that's the first thing that you do, the first, first thing you do. And then even if you pick up the phone two minutes later, you'll already be in a better state. So you may not even see the things that wouldn't, that would disturb you. Let's talk about social media. Okay. What role does it play in your work? Because I find it... 
uh, addicting and, and wholly depressing when I think about the future, yeah. social media. What yeah. role does it play in your life? And how do we sort through this this jungle of, of vanity and uh, information? Okay, well, I mean, it's for me, it's like equal parts addictive and equal parts just profoundly amazing and helpful. So, uh, okay. you know, the things about it that I don't like are that I can like, you know, get hooked into it and be less connected and, yeah. you know, be less, you know, energetically connected to others. I get a stomachache every time I log on. It, yeah, yeah. But what I find profound about it is that this work that I do, I can get it out to so many more people than, than I mean, because I, I had an, ex, I had the experience 12 years ago of running this business and, and right. sharing this message without Facebook, without Instagram, without Twitter. And once these platforms became prevalent in our lives, they've been a business partner for me in many ways. They've been this, you know, great right. way of, of spreading a message that I believe in. So I'm grateful for it. I have fun with it. I enjoy it. It's creative, but I do need to know when to completely turn it off and, and step away. Yeah, but when is that? that? That's what I mean. So I, I think that your idea actually of like putting your phone in another room is probably the best thing that works for me. So if mm -hmm. I actually just like put my phone somewhere else for, and I think at this point, you know, if someone could do that for an hour a day, that sounds that sounds like not a lot of time, but it, mm -hmm. it's probably when you realize it, it's a lot for people because we're so, I mean, our phones are attached to our hip. Yeah. So it's very freeing. It's so freeing. Like when I walk around my house without my phone, it, it feels like strange yeah. and a little bit alarming, but it is a great practice. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. My girlfriend would make fun of me back in the day because I, when we started dating, I liked her so much that I would want to write back whenever she wrote me. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. But what I, but I hated it because then I wasn't present with my friends and she'd say, mm -hmm. I'm watching the debate. And I'd say, oh, I'm watching the debate. And she said, I can't believe of a healthcare. And I go, I can't, you know, because you just want to mm -hmm. speak up all the time. So what mm -hmm. I would say is um, I would go, ha ha, okay, signing off. I'm out, out with some friends, signing mm -hmm. off. And she'd go, what does that mean, signing off? But I'd have to say signing. It would actually be very helpful. I mean, it's a joke now, but in the, at the moment, it was very helpful. Now you're like, okay, signing off. Bye. I go, I, yeah, she still says, I go, great, uh, signing off, heading out. <laughs> like I was logging off from Netscape Navigator in 1992. Um, anything you'd like to be doing that you're not doing currently for you professionally in life? Um, one thing I am trying to do more of is I'm practicing more peaceful moments in my day. So even more than I did before, like so I'm really exercising these, these like deep restful moments. I know that sounds like kind of crazy because people think in America that we have to like, gotta work so hard. <laughs> the, the irony is that the, the more we rest, the more we attract. I mean, period, that is it. Okay. So I'm really trying to practice the art of allowing <laughs> Actually, it's funny that I said I'm trying to practice the art of allowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about I just start to allow the art of allowing? Just allow. So, yeah. Exactly. So that's something that is a new development for me. And part of that is we're having a profound team of people around me that that really believe in the work that I do that are supporting the the endeavors that I've put out in the world. So they've given me this space that I can step back and allow. And that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, listen, we, uh, I know we talked about social media and that I was going to throw my phone away and sign off. The truth is uh, our producer, Laurel, 
is on her phone, and she's found some some tweets of people who have questions for you. Oh, cool. We have a question from Twitter from at Iha de la Luna. She asks, when making a major career in residential change, like relocating, what are some steps that should be done for an easy transition? So she's relocating and she wants an easy transition. Big, big career okay. change, residential change. What are some, mm-hmm. some steps to aid that, uh, that transition in life? I think I would probably mainly say just, just, just keep it simple, go slow, mm-hmm. because both of those things are really big. Career change is a really big thing and moving is a really big thing. Some of the most stressful things in life, yes. those two things right there. So I would say keep it simple and don't try to take on too much at once. Don't try to have very high expectations of yourself at this time because you've got a lot on your plate. And just take it one day at a time and go slow and ease into it. Okay. That's good advice. Laurel's holding up her phone to me because that means that she's just texted me. And she said, what's an example early on in your career where you got in your own way? Early in my career, I was probably getting in my own way by trying to control situations like I talked about earlier. Right. That that big entrepreneurial no-no was trying to make things happen rather than, than just be inspired and, and show up and and let things happen naturally. Was there a moment when you got over that? Was there something that happened that turned everything for you? I think that I realized pretty early on that that I was being supported that like for lack of a better phrase that the universe had my back. I, I looked around and I was like, wow, you know, people yeah. want to come to my talks and people, and the more authentic I am, the more, the more helpful I am. And someone wants to publish my books and, and it just, it just sort of looked like the more fun I was having, the more, more success I was receiving period. Right. And so I, I just kind of got hip to the fact that I didn't have to push so hard pretty quickly. Because I was having a good time and that was working. And so I made joy and fun my focus. And I often say that fun is the key to success. Listen, Gabby, um, very helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Listen, I have your Skype. I'm going to call you in an hour because uh, okay. probably, you know, I'm you. getting a little tense. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Fantasy football season is here, and we've got the best fantasy football podcast anywhere because we've got the best fantasy football analyst in Evan Silva from rotoworld.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Fantasy Feast podcast so you can hear me, Ross Tucker, get Evan's rankings and draft strategies to give you the edge you need this year. That's the Fantasy Feast podcast, available on the Podcast One app or wherever podcasts are found. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is 
tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.